0: Welcome to the Lubar Executive Education Podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking about leading intentionally and authentically, along with how to transition from one phase of your leadership journey to another. My guest today is Raven Harris, founder of Activate the Dream, an organization focused on helping leaders create a life that is in alignment with their dreams, vision, and goals. Welcome, Raven. Thank you for taking time to be with me today.
1: Thank you, Mike, for having me.
0: A lot of the work we do in executive education here at the Lubar School of Business is focused on helping high-potential leaders who dream of being a C-level executive move closer to that goal. As someone who has risen to the CEO position that so many people aspire to, can you tell us a little about your leadership journey and what it was like to make the different transitions from individual contributor to manager to executive?
1: Absolutely. So my background is that I started in college thinking that I was going to be a doctor, a physician. So I started pre med and I had the amazing opportunity to work with a podiatrist. And in that experience and in an internship in undergrad, the podiatrist would mention to me over and over again the importance of understanding how to manage the business side of healthcare. And I was like, hmm, because so I was starting to, during this time period, recognize that wasn't really in love with all of the, the blood and, and that type of aspect of healthcare. care. So I was like, okay, well, how do I marry my interest in healthcare care and my interest in business? So I, after I finished undergraduate, I went on to grad school um, to do an MHA, a master's in healthcare administration. And after that experience, I was fortunate enough to do an executive fellowship at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas, and wonderful experience. Baylor College of Medicine is an academic medical center. And one of the reasons why I selected that fellowship is because I knew I would get the exposure to academics, research, as well as the clinical operation side of healthcare. So after Completing my fellowship, I knew I wanted to lead people. I was like, I want that experience in leading and managing people. So I was fortunate enough to get an opportunity to work with DaVita Kidney Care Organization. And that was my first opportunity really learning about soft skills, managing and leading people. I was a hospital services administrator and in that role i oversaw the inpatient dialysis of six different hospitals as well as the procurement for the entire houston area for uh, inpatient services so i learned so much there and i learned so much about teamwork i learned so much about myself you know how i responded under under pressure how to lead under pressure how to keep a Level head in chaotic, high intense environments. And I know for sure that was preparation for the next major opportunity that I had. When I was in Houston, we had Hurricane Harvey category five hurricane in the area and learned so much about the disaster preparedness and emergency management. So anyone that's listening, they're like, oh, we do these hurricane drills and and we do all this paperwork for disaster preparedness every year. We never, yeah, you you may need it. (laughs) So after that um, experience in Houston, I had the opportunity to take on a COO level role at an LTAC in the Phoenix, Arizona area. And they've since rebranded more in the healthcare industry as critical illness recovery hospitals, instead of LTAC, which stands for long-term acute care hospitals. And the first Monday of March, 2020, I became the interim CEO. And then everyone knows you know what happens when about 10 days later, the world imploded with a pandemic. And I feel so fortunate and blessed that I've had that experience in Houston with Harvey because I think that it really gave me the skill set and the mindset to really encounter this, this new massive uncertainty, this new experience with staff that's in fear and just, you know, the unknown. And I think those things really prepared me for my career, my development, and really being able to develop other leaders. So that's been my my healthcare journey from undergrad up into um, being an interim CEO.
0: Thank you for walking us through your progression. And I love to hear all the continuous learning along the way. Having been in charge of a healthcare organization during the biggest public health crisis we'll experience in our lifetime. What can you tell us about how to effectively lead through times of crisis and chaos?
1: You know, I think the biggest differentiator between effective leadership and ineffective leadership in an experience like this is clear, concise communication. When things are awry, when there's so much fear, concern, being able to communicate to your team and to your, your parties, this is the information I have. And when I have more information, I'll share that with you and knowing and and people having the trust in you that you'll do the best with the information that you have at that time. I know for a fact, like that what has helped me and helped the organizations that I've been in is having that clear communication. I've, I've heard the, the phrase confused people do nothing. So making sure people are all aware of here's the plan, here's our approach, and here's how we'll execute that approach. And making sure that at all levels of the organization that is communicated effectively, appropriately, and timely. Because when you are dealing with uh, information that changes uh, literally by the moment, it was you know one moment, wear a mask, the next moment, don't wear a mask. This, this room is um, an isolation room, this room you can't go in. Uh, all different types of thing. you know, it's airborne, it's aerosol, you know, all those different types of things. As you're getting the new information, you have to disperse that information as effectively and clearly and timely as possible. And creating different communication channels, because, because there are so many different layers within an organization? What are our communication channels, especially with healthcare? There's people that may work three days on or four days on, three days off. So how do we make sure that when a particular team member, they haven't been to work in four days, maybe the policies change overnight because it did happen within the pandemic. How do we make sure when they show up for their next shift that they are fully aware and fully informed of what the new policy is today?
0: I couldn't agree more. Communication is, is so crucial and you know all the executives that we work with talk about the same thing. Over-communicate at the same time, make sure your message is simple and you're using multiple communication mediums so you can get to everybody. In thinking about your tenure as CEO, what surprised you most about the role and what do you wish you knew ahead of time?
1: I would say what surprised me the most is the importance of soft skills, the importance of EQ or emotional intelligence and knowing how to read a room, read body language, understand what's not being said. I would say from formal training or college or workshops, a lot is taught about like hard skills. Oh, here's how you manage. Here's how you lead. But I really believe management is more of like a business skill and leadership is a people skill. How do you connect with people? How do you gain people's trust? And I learned that I think just more so in the field, on the floor and interacting with patients, interacting with physicians, respiratory therapists, nurses, all of our team members really understanding what's not being said. I would use this term with my team. Don't suffer in silence. Always feel that you can approach me and let's talk about it because there's so many things. Well, look, oh, I didn't want to bring it up. I didn't want to bother. It's never a bother. Because if it's bothering you, it's probably bothering someone else. Or if it's unclear to you, maybe we missed the mark in that clear, concise communication. Speak up, because I'm sure someone else has that same question. And we may not have the answer, but let's make sure that everyone knows, hey, we're not sure. As soon as we have additional information, we'll share that. Here's what we advise to do as of right now. I think that's the biggest thing, that, that emotional intelligence, that those soft skills. Are often overlooked and not emphasize the importance of them.
0: Those are some great questions I would hope all leaders would ask more. As you think about your leadership approach, what principles of leadership do you value and hold closest?
1: I am a natural affirmer. I am an uplifter, and encourager. That is super important to me. Having a team, having an environment that is welcoming, that's warming, where people are celebrated, is super important to me. And that's what a skill set that I, I, I believe I naturally have. And it's important to have that in an environment around me, because I believe when people feel good, they can do good work.
0: Speaking of feeling good, leading others can be very taxing on the mind and body, even when things are going well. Whenever I get the chance to talk to an executive, I always ask them, how do they personally maintain their wellness and resilience? How do you accomplish this?
1: I love to walk. I sometimes, And every now and then I'll do a run, or maybe I call it like a power walk. So I get a lot of, I call them my downloads or epiphanies or discernment, whatever term you want to put them, I call them downloads. I get a lot of that when I'm out in nature walking. It's peaceful for me. It's relaxing for me. And it's just refreshing. And it gives me the time to just reflect, gather my thoughts and figure out how will I approach the next big task, big assignment. And walking allows me to just recenter myself. It's good cardio, of course, and helps you, helps you stay in shape, mental, mental fitness as well as physical fitness.
0: Another area I know you're passionate about is helping people find work-life harmony, which I think is a much better way of saying work-life balance. Achieving that harmony, though, sometimes requires a person to move on, try new things, and possibly even take a hard look in the mirror to say change is needed. As someone who's successfully executed a few transitions in their leadership journey and found the courage to follow your dreams, how does someone know when it's time to make a move and how can they do that move well?
1: I always say start with your core values. You know, uh, your core values, is it faith? Is it loyalty? Is it friends, family? Uh, flexibility? What's your core value? And then how do you honor those core values? How do you make decisions in alignment with those core values? Uh, I had um, a person that I spoke with just last week, and they were sharing with me, one of the major reasons they are transitioning in their role is because the taxing hours do not work with their family. They have two small children, and it is super important for them in their children's formative years to spend that time with their husband as well as with their children. So I think really in getting clear on what your core values are and then making decisions in alignment with those core values is super important. And it's how to make that transition. I always say success leaves clues. So there are people who have made the transition find them, seek them out. Hey, ask just for an informational. People are more willing to help. I think sometimes we fear rejection. We fear what will someone think? And I've been there. I've been there like, oh, well, what will they say? Or, and I have just found that the more and more I reach out to people and ask, I've been pleasantly surprised that people are willing to help. People are willing to have informational conversations, and or direct you to someone. Hey, they may have a contact at um, your future organization or f- future place of employment. So just reaching out to people to say, and maybe at the particular organization you're interested in, hey, I'm interested in working here. Would you mind taking 10, 15 minutes to set up a call with me? Just tell me about your experience, what the, what's the company like, what's the culture like, and or whom do you suggest that I contact next as I pursue an opportunity with your organization?
0: That's great advice. What do you say to people when they know they need to make a change, but have some compelling reasons to maintain the status quo?
1: It's interesting because I, I just did an Instagram post about this, and the topic was about security and stability. And that, those are often reasons why people stay in something they don't like, or when they're called to be in something greater, bigger, or different. And what I say to people, again, is going back to those core values. What's important to you and why? You know, as Simon Sinek says, start with a why. What's your why? And will you be able to accomplish your why staying where you are? And when it comes to dreams, uh, doc, the late, great Dr. Miles Monroe says the cemetery is one of the richest places on earth. And when I remind people of that, I'm like, Die on empty, live full, die on empty. So many people say, well, you know, the paycheck and, you know, the lifestyle, but will this make you happy? When you you wake up every morning and you look at you, you owe you to be great. You owe you to live your dreams, not just allow them to be in your mind or in your sleep.
0: The last time we talked, you mentioned something to me called the seasons concept. Would you mind explaining a little more about that for our listeners, please?
1: Yes, yes. When I think about seasons, I think it's super important to know which season you are in. And I'll give you an example about my life. So I end of last year transitioned out of my healthcare career and started my leadership solutions company, really seeking to develop new and emerging leaders with people and organizations, ministries, and nonprofits. And As I've started this journey, I've recognized, okay, well, you know, I have to first establish, you know, credibility. I have to uh, do marketing, branding, understand business structures so much. Because I was thinking when I started, I was like, oh, this will be an overnight success, right? No. (laughs) So I had to recognize, and I heard it very clearly, this is your planting season. It's not my harvest season yet. Will opportunities come? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I have to remain focused. I have to remain curious, curious about life, curious about learning. And then I also have to put myself out there. People don't know what I have, what I offer, what my business is until I market it, until I share with people. And I think it's super important as anyone that's listening in their career journey, their entrepreneurship journey or their life journey to recognize which season you're in. So some seasons may be the season where you are supposed to lead. You are supposed to be at the top. Other seasons may be your rest season. It may be your season of reflection, or it may be your season of reset where you're going through a transition and to give yourself grace in that season.
0: What final advice do you have for our listeners when it comes to going after their dreams?
1: I would reiterate, die on empty, live full. As the young people say, YOLO, you only live once. And make the best of every opportunity and be present. Be present in the moment. All you have is now.
0: Raven, thank you so much for being on the Lubar Executive Education Podcast and sharing your leadership experiences and advice with us. If you're interested in learning more, please visit Raven's website, which is linked in the description of this episode give her podcast titled Reset with Raven a listen as well. In closing, I'd like to take a moment to thank our listeners. We wish you the best of luck as you move forward on your leadership journey. Please check back regularly for additional episodes.